When I'm okay. talking about religious music, I don't mean that music. I mean the little fruity songs, like the Catholic Church <laughs> has got like on eagle's wings yeah, and all that kind yeah, of crap. That shit you is, know, um, that's not. I don't know what that is. The deer panteth for the water. That Hold one. on. Why are the deer panteth for panteth. the water? No, it's is the, that as the deer. It's one of these old Christian youth camp. You know what you're thinking of is the, a Christian youth camp songs that all uh, it all began. With uh, Kumbaya, and then there's yeah, it was all, all these, downhill from there. It is, but uh, I've been playing the guitar a lot lately. I actually, ever since I had to play, um, you should post the video of you and the church children singing <laughs> well, on the stoop. So the story is, one of the kids' moms is a music teacher at a local high school, and so she's good with this stuff. Mm -hmm. And she's like, "It sounds great." She's like, "But I'm going to overdub a couple of vocals over it." <laughs> and I was like, "No, you're not." I called her out instantly, and she was like, "No, no, no, I am." I'm like. Okay, really? All right. She's like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And Are she, you using, is that a promotional video for something? Or? So, no, we have Children's Day coming up. So in church for Children's Day, um, it's the day where we celebrate the year of Sunday school, because I'm a Sunday school teacher, right? right? Mm -hmm. And like, for example, I got, they came to the store yesterday, the church, to, and they presented and surprised all the, the Sunday school teachers. And I got this mug. It says, for every lesson you've prepared, the love of God has been shared. Oh. And it rhymes. And then it says, world's number one Sunday school teacher. Yes. On the back. Did you? Does it really? No. Oh, that would joking. be so awesome. <laughs> so and it's, you immediately filled it with sugary snacks. They put that in oh, there okay. to be nice to me. And so I'm very honored. And we'll have Children's Day. And we recorded that because we're going to play it at church. Yeah. You know, we do Children's Day. And then the kids get to say something they love about God or this what they learned. This is fascinating, but we're two minutes into the intro. Yeah before we've started the show <laughs> and we're back yes. welcome to recovery in the middle ages the podcast about two middle-aged suburban dads and their pursuit of life love and recovery i'm nat and i'm mike and boy do we have a show for you today on rma mike's father-son potato ar-15 assault rifle project and we discuss the highs and lows pun intended of healthy effective parenting in recovery on a new episode of get smart with Aaron moore today on a very special edition of R. M A. Are you uh, writing those or are you stealing them? Those I wrote, intros? I actually that, wrote that it. That was very good. It flowed better than some of the other ones. I have a bachelor. You know, well, last night I had some time. I, I wasn't very tired. And you usually, had time. Amazing. I had some time. My son, I, I just decided to let my son stay up till 1030. Is that why he was sleeping on your dining room table last yeah. night? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you saw that picture of yeah. like the Lego. Yeah. And not, you know, just Legos everywhere. The dining room table is covered. Um, so I spent a lot of time actually on this last night. I did some due diligence. I did some research for the discussion. You. God bless and, you. And, um, you know, I still believe in this show. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> I do. Wow, is that a dig? No, no. I'm, I'm saying because I've so had... I spent three hours at the bank yesterday. No, no. <laughs> No, this isn't a swipe at you, you schmuck. <laughs> what I'm saying is I've had my doubts about the show only because I've gotten slightly... I wanted to talk about this because... As we get more listeners, right. I'm becoming more uncomfortable with everything being out there. 
Do you know what I mean? Like before when well, it was... Well, soon you're going to be famous for being a you know, heroin addict. <laughs> I, I know. And, um, yeah. and I'm very... I don't know. I'm starting to think about it, you know, because there are some people we know now and it's no longer really that anonymous for us locally isn't it, isn't it a little too late to put that particular cat cannot, back in the bag yeah yes. you can't unring a bell i know i know but this is something i think you can't about. become a cucumber after you become a pickle that's right once you've been pickled it's over yes. um so i'm feeling some you know but i'm, I'm going with it you know I'm, I'm so happy so many people are listening and i just um i want to be able to be as honest as possible about my story without feeling self-conscious yes which reminds me, that was very... Oh, uh, I mean, we may as well do this. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com, Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebook, Instagram, all those places that you know and love, YouTube and Twitter. Join the discussion on our exclusive and private Facebook group. We've had some new people requesting admission, I've noticed, to the oh, Facebook yeah. group. Yeah, it's growing uh, fast, It guys. is. People are talking. People are even arguing. And I think you edited a couple comments yes. I wrote, and I'm a little annoyed about I that. I edited your comments? Or you made it disappear. I was fighting with that guy over the back, over, over, over. <laughs> you were right I'd... to do it because I'm just getting into the weeds with some guy over Fauci oh, and the coronavirus. And I'm like, no, here's what I did to that. I didn't even see that you had responded. I just saw oh, you a got couple, rid of that comment. I just saw that people were discussing that and being weird and nasty about like politics. And I was like, fuck that. And I just hit the entire <laughs> comment, but I didn't realize you were I, getting involved I, in that. Just a little. Okay. Um, yeah. Let's not do that. We're not. <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to be a safe place. I didn't start it. It was some Yahoo came into the oh, room and then I he just... He started it, not me, Dad. <laughs> Listen, you know, when you... All, right. all of a sudden, when you say, yeah, the opioid um, um, a crisis is bad, but you know what killed more people? Fauci's flu. And yeah. I'm like, fuck this guy. So that's not the private group. That's like <laughs> we, when we're marketing our posts, when I, when I like try and boost a post, then, right. then yeah. it pops up oh, and people right. will comment. Right. So I've been taking... There's one guy who every single... St- comment is call AA they're call free, AA, they're free. And, and I'm I, like, t- I went to town with him a couple times I'm like, too asshole that doesn't help it do- you know like, number one we're not making any money here <laughs> no this is free <laughs> as well how about right. RMA is free why don't you listen to them why don't, why, don't, why don't we do that anyway new merchandise is available oh and we're working on a shirt with Jeff oh yeah he's got something cool coming out is that the one we were looking at Yes. Yeah. It's very cool. There's going to be that two was a week versions. Ago. It is. We, He's we very busy. He's poor, very busy. tired Jeff. I know. <laughs> design, basically design us a shirt for free we, uh, in the middle of the night. We yeah. cornered Jeff on a, uh, <laughs> on a text message group, you know, and um, he started, you know, he was being nice and just making some changes. And then Mike pops in, why don't you try to do this? And then I'm like, yeah, that's great. But can you add this? And I was like, oh. So finally he's like, like listen, fellas, I, I have two jobs. And, I have you to know. go to sleep. <laughs> so thank you, Jeff, that yeah. we had a lot of fun. And it looks really cool. I'm excited yeah. to release it and sell one or two. Middleagesrecovery.com. Go there and all your dreams will come true. Tell us your story there too. We've had some short stories that have come in. Shit stories? No, short story. Shit story? Nobody's a shit. Nobody who sends us a story. is not a shit story? It's not a shit story. I love shit stories. Yes. I listen to that as I eat my yogurt pretzels. Oh, it's a shtick. You're doing a bit. I was from Oh Hello. With, oh. Uh, it doesn't matter. All right. I don't watch as much TV as you do. Um, do will great reviews be read on the air? <laughs> they will. And in fact, we got a great one that I have to read because it involves the great That's Third. right. <clears throat> uh, it's from K-Dog 1978. Word. Right on. Uh, love these guys. Five stars. Sitting here watching a Grateful Dead DVD from 7489, trucking up to Buffalo. But I really relate to these fellows. 
mm-hmm. and they make me want to tune in every week, even though I haven't committed yet to recovery yet. I want to though, and this podcast helps planting that seed. Yeah, great. That's what we're doing. We're all about planting planting our seed all, <laughs> all over the country <laughs> into in, in different people. Um, can I just? <laughs> Sorry, can I just say something? I'm going to say something. You may say seven four eighty nine was the white was the show that got away. I was supposed to go to that show, and I didn't go. And uh, for whatever reason, it was a comedy of errors. I probably had a new job or something, but I remember not going. But all my friends went, and since then, I've never lived it down because the dead released Trucking Up to Buffalo on a DVD, so now I can watch it in all its glory. And and for some reason, on the Grateful Dead uh, channel on Sirius, they endlessly play the show. And you know why? Why? Because it was a fucking great show. And you missed that it. I missed. I went to Buffalo... I think it was the following year, 90, Crosby, Stills, and Nash opened. Ooh. I was on, Young I was, was already flying out. <laughs> on the best acid that I <laughs> ever Man. gotten. And uh, yeah, it was weird. Uh, I just remember the Sugar Magnolia from the second set in that show. It was fantastic. And CSN was great. And then we had to go back. I think I've said this before. I had to go back and we had to sleep at my wife's grandmother's house that night. <laughs> By say sleep, I mean a huddle in the corner staring oh at the God, shadows. How many but, nights have I spent well, shivering in a fetal position? Anyway, thanks, uh, K Dog nineteen seventy eight. We will, uh, you know, if when you're ready to um, explore the sobriety recovery thing, yeah, just you know, keep listening. Just keep listening, and um, there's support out here. We're yeah. a cool group of people hanging out on the Facebook group and. All the other listeners, we're we're in this together, you know. We're doing it together, and there's no shame in trying and you know slipping and whatever. You just we're just here to support you and make you feel like it's not only is it okay to not drink, but it's great. We're doing great. it. We're happy. It's like the best thing ever. It is the best thing that I ever did uh, in my life. One of the best things. I'm also going to say this, K Dog 1978. Um, if you are familiar with the dead scene, you probably know about the wharf rats. So if you're going to any shows, you can try and find their table, the yellow balloon people. They're really cool to talk to. Those are the sober deadheads. Sober deadheads. Yeah. yeah. And I, I would like to do uh, an episode on them at some point. So if anybody out there listening, I know I, there's a bunch of deadheads that listen to this show. Mm-hmm. Uh, if any of you have any contacts with like the wharf rat, the head rat, uh, August West or whoever is in charge, um, See if you can reach out to them on our behalf and put us in touch. Just hey. email me at uh, Mike R, R at middleagesrecovery.com. Hey, do you know how many deadheads it takes to screw in a light bulb? No. None. When something burns out, they follow it around for 60 years. <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> You've just alienated half the audience. <laughs> Not to mention me. Oh, God. So... <laughs> Uh, how was your week? How was your week? Did you have a good Sunday? What did you do? I had a good week. I I had my late um, my late wife's entire family over for a big party <laughs> for a party. And that uh, I find that in, in, interesting that you can you know like because this is one of those familial situations that you don't think of when you're growing up or yes. don't experience most likely. Right. So. When I hear about this, I'm always like, that's really interesting. Like, how how is that dynamic? Like, it must be, I mean, it's, it's got to be sad, and it's also joyful that you still know it, you know, like. There's a, there's a whole lot of that mixed in. Yeah. Um, and then the new, and now you're, now you're remarried, so right. now you've got a family. So that so, has to be. So my, wa- my wife know. has a, uh, my current wife, Erin, has a, has a child from her first marriage, and um, Dimitri's father has also passed away. Oh. Um, we have a son together, and then I have Jack from uh, uh, the marriage I had with my first wife. So, um, you know, we've been dealing with the norm- normative 
normalization of uh, the nuclear family and how that sort of fits into things uh, for years. You know, it, you wouldn't even think something as innocuous as like a um, a school assignment on a family tree right. would cause such consternation, but it does in our house. It's always it's always stuff. I mean, we've never used the term "step anything." We've always just been this, you know the, the family that we are, uh, but. Um, you know, obviously I had a relationship. I was married for 11 years wow. to my first wife and we were together for 18 years. We actually got together at a Grateful Dead show. Um, and um, so I, I was just as much a part of their family for those years. You yeah. Know. When you're so, married and together for that long, you're, yeah, you're I, meshing families. Yeah, you're basically in the family. And, and uh, my parents have both passed away. So um, it's really, you know... I, I considered them, you know, a, a family of mine, you know, so, so, so there was never really any question that that relationship would uh, dissolve after my wife died, you know, See, plus, you know, the, Jack is their grandson. Right. So, you know, I mean, I think that's a, just a beautiful example of people living, you know, but do, just living in love and, and not getting hung up on, you know, cause it would be easy for, you know, for someone to feel like, that's not our daughter and you've moved on and all of that. Or, yeah, yeah. No, they're nothing like that. You know, yeah. it, it reminds me of I, when I, I met my wife, there was a similar situation that perplexed me because I came from a very boring, traditional family structure. Mm-hmm. So um, anytime I hear of things outside of that, I'm always intrigued by it. And uh, my wife had an uncle who was married three times. He's now... He's passed away now, but he had three three wives, or uh, a current wife and two ex. Uh, and when I first started dating my wife, she said, oh, um, Danny, I forget their names, Danny and Betty are coming over to my parents' house for dinner, and we're invited, and we're going to go have dinner. And I said, well, who's that? Who's Danny and Betty? And he goes, she says, well, uh, Danny is, oh, no, no, Betty was my uh, my aunt's, sorry, Betty was <laughs> my uncle's first wife and this is her new husband but they're still friends with right the parents so yeah. it's like when that whole thing i was like are you kidding me like so you're you know behind your uncle's back so to speak your parents are now having you know a relationship with his ex-wife and her new husband like it just i don't know man you insane know, to me but it just, was there fine is, there's no normal right as far as i'm concerned and, and that's what I mean, i've everybody's learned. got yeah. a different story but the weird thing is about the you know we had a we had a great time it was a lovely uh, barbecue but i had to go out and you know they're they drink um you know right, so i had on. to go out and buy a case of beer and like five bottles of wine and i actually went up to the liquor store that i used to go into every day to buy a bottle of wine oh and, wow um, where have you been yeah i, I <laughs> but I, actually i went to the the guy who runs that store up there uh he and i were like friends of bonded over music like oh, no. when i was when i was still drinking we actually went to see a king crimson show together at the oh, paramount really yeah and what's yeah. he like he's great man he's, he's See the kind of guy that wears a gold chain outside of his no, t-shirt he's He's like oh. a, he, uh, I don't want to say his name, but he's, he's got like curly hair and beard. He's a little bushy. He had like COVID and almost died and he oh was out of there for like almost a whole year. Um, so now he's back and, you know, we, we actually went in there and I said, yeah, you know what I like, Mitch, you know, give me five bottles of that. You know? And <laughs> so he was picking up, you know, some Sauvignon Blancs and stuff that I used to drink. And uh, I didn't mention that I didn't drink anymore, but, you know, I think he kind of figured it out. I mean, I'm, I'm like a lot lighter. I never go to the liquor store <laughs> every, like every day anymore. And uh, so we just got caught up on music and stuff and that was fine. That's cool. Um, it doesn't phase me at all to be in a liquor store. Like I, I, I don't even... 
I, there's no desire for me to like, cry, you know, well, what do you open think, a bottle do you think about, home. do you think about like, what if Nat walked in and, or if, and I was going to see if I walked, <laughs> it's sort of like when you go to an AA meeting and you see someone, you know, right. It's like, Oh shit, they'll see me. But then it's like, wait, but they're at an AA meeting, yeah. you know? So, <laughs> I hope I never run into you in a liquor store when we're both like falling off the uh, wagon. Cause that yeah. would be a, that would be a fucking disaster. <laughs> Five days later, our families oh, would be like, we, have you found them yet? Let's stream live. <laughs> um, uh, but so that was weird. And then I was sitting down and, um, my father-in-law was having a beer and, you know, my wife was drinking a glass of wine and, and, um, my father-in-law just turned, or ex, I don't know, even know what to call him at this point, but he turns to me and he goes, uh, so I hear you quit drinking a couple of years ago. And I was like, what? Mm-hmm. Like, I have no idea how he would ever find that information out. He's like 70 something years old. It's not like he's on Facebook, like trolling around looking at what I've been doing. Well, do you think anyone would have talked to him about it or? No, I don't talk to it. I, I mean, Erin knows, but she's not it? talking to, you know. Like, she, how did it go exactly? Like you were sitting there holding a non-alcoholic oh, kombucha. No, I, was, I wasn't even holding a drink at all. And he goes, he just uh, unprompted. He, he just, said, uh, I hear you're not drinking. Or something like that. And I was like... I hear you're not drinking. So he's implying that somebody said something to him. Right. So So my guess is... My guess it's the the lack security on the recovery elevator group. Well, that's how you found found me out. Exactly. It's recovery elevator. But we were both members of that. So that would make sense that you and I would... So when you were talking to me... And just for the listeners who don't know this, this is sort of how... Mike and I found each other out. Um, when we met, we, we were really just, um, you know, fellow parents, you know, in, a, in this small town, in, uh, in a town where you don't go around talking about how you're an alcoholic or an addict. And uh, I was reaching out to him about a Cub Scout thing, I think, mm. because our, our kids were friends. And uh, somehow he was able to see that I was a member of a recovery group on Facebook, which you're not <laughs> supposed to be able to see, or I thought you were Unless you're both members. Right, right. right. So, because so we were both members of the private group, in any case. Was it a private, maybe it's not a private group. Maybe Because not. I had somebody I work with, you know, as a contractor. It's not like our group, he's a, that's he's a private. Psychologist, so that's our group funny. is private. But he, like I posted on Recovery Elevator, every week they have a check-in, how many days, you know. Right. So I always say, you know, 650 and feeling nifty. And he's given me a thumbs up a couple of times. And I know he's not in recovery. So I'm guessing everybody can see it. So, yeah, so probably. It's fucking recovery elevator. Well, I'll tell you, so we should be <laughs> clear that our Facebook group, which has over 5,000 people following it, is the Facebook page, not the group. Right. That's, that's not public, private. right? Yeah. If you guys want to, to discuss on our private group that's supposed to protect us from people knowing what you're talking about, that's something you have to apply to and you know yeah. we have to admit you because it's sensitive information. So I don't know where he found out that I was um, not drinking, but he was... Does I don't think he really relief? knew what to say. Do you feel like it's a relief when people know? Like, I, f- I feel a relief a little bit when I'm around people who know that yeah, I don't I mean, drink. I have gotten to the point where I really don't give a shit um, at all. <laughs> who knows? I mean, because I, to me, it's like I've been freed from the tyranny of big alcohol. So I am like, yeah, if anything, I'm like a proselytizer about the virtues of not drinking, although I try and restrain myself. Yeah, you can't do... Well. Yeah, I'm not ruining the barbecue. I'm not like showing up like a turd in the lunch bowl and be like, how could you drink that beer on the 4th of July, you cretin? You know? yeah. <laughs> no the one's going to want to... No one's going to invite me anywhere, you know? Uh, I don't know. It's anyway, interesting. It's, it is it is interesting. Um 
I don't know. It's been a crazy week. I and know, everybody you know. was sick. I mean, what is this? I, I t- text you this morning because I had a problem at home before I got here. And then I got a response. I'm at the urgent care with Ben, you know, and I'm like, oh, shit. He just won up to me on shit going wrong. I'm like, well, what the fuck? It's been a slow roll this week. Um, you know, my son, uh, Jack, came down with a cough and it got phlegmy and then, you know, sore throat. And I was, and of course, it being 2021, I need to take them to a COVID test or they won't let them back in school. Right. So 14 take, days they keep you out, right? Not with a negative test. Oh, okay. So I get him tested. It's negative. And then his brother, his older brother gets it. And then his older brother, this is his finals week and he'll look for any excuse to like, <laughs> so yep. I was managing that for most, you know, most, well, Aaron was mostly managing that. I was just yelling at him. <laughs> <laughs> which exams you know, week so tricky, it's been that yeah. kind of a thing and um and then ben t- this morning woke up sounding like he was a two-pack-a-day smoker so i had to take him in as well so and then they both had physicals in the middle of the week so i four doctor's offices five days Ugh. what a treat but you seem was. to be okay yeah i'm fine uh well that's the thing that got Aaron and me thinking that they had covid because we're both vaccinated and we haven't had as much as a sniffle but all three of them are down so Mm. You know, so then I had the PCRs done. I'm waiting for those to come. Yeah. That's scary. I mean, people are still dying every day of COVID. Yes. It's it's still killing people. Yes. I mean, it is safer and we're happy A lot about less it. and probably not my kids. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, look, the week was crazy. I What about I, you? What I have Sunday Nat. That's Sunday, the next thing on here. It says well, Sunday Nat. I want to hear about Sunday Nat. Well, th- th- what this is on the on the outline is after we do our show Friday, I immediately get a new document. And as soon as I think of something, and Sundays is my day where I just do everything right. that I wanted to do all week. You're a hardworking man. And um, I like, and I joined this gym, which I fucking love. I just want to say that. I love this gym. I love the feeling I get when I pull up to it. I like uh, to wear the shirt that I got for free for signing up. I feel like I'm a part of something. I hope you wash it. It's it's beautiful. The people there are nice and happy to see you. The machines are nice. The whole atmosphere is like very zen and meditative and wellness and all that bullshit. <laughs> that hippy dippy bullshit that I love. I just Scented love it. Candles. Uh, <laughs> there's some of that I think, and then. Um, and uh, so on Sunday, and I've been trying to get to the gym like before work. So kids get off the bus and I'm like, I have to make this part of my life. Yeah. I have to just do it. So maybe I've been getting like three days a week during the week. Dude, that's awesome. Um, and I'll get that. here by, by 1030. Uh, and then I'm still trying to run, you know, reach my long distance run goals, mm-hmm. uh, which has been difficult with this weather. And, and I'm not that well conditioned running, but I keep trying. And like... And on uh, the other day during the week, I went to the gym before work in the morning. I did. I warmed up with a mile run and then did my weights. Yeah. I got home and I ran two point two miles. Yeah, it was and like I, ninety degrees that yeah, day. Yeah, man. But I love it. Here. I love punishing myself. <laughs> I think that's what this is all about. I I feel like I should be punished. Um, but really, and, and I said this one because I post my uh, my my running. Um, data you we have the app that posts it in any case strava strava right um and what i posted when i uh when i wrote it was um what i wrote when i posted it was that when i started i immediately regretted it when i started running like i was immediately like this was a bad idea milk was a bad idea and um but when it was over i was like 
I'm the fucking man. That's right. I did it. That's right. I felt like I won the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. And that's that feeling that I just You keep... were sweating as much as if you had run a half marathon. Yeah. What... <laughs> yeah it was awful. <laughs> um, but, you know, and then we had our last week of Sunday school. And then we went to Max had a soccer game. And then Max had a play date with his buddy. And we did Legos together. And Noah was at a friend's house. And, you know, that leads me to this this next story I wanted to just tell because it's it's bothering me. Mm. Uh, he's got this friend, Peter, uh, another Greek. You know, we, we're fraternizing with a lot of the Greeks. My wife is Greek. And uh, and so the Greeks stick How did together. I not know that? Yeah, she doesn't walk around with a Greek flag, but... But a lot of Greek people do. I know, I know. So as soon as they find out that Noah's like part Greek and right. Christine's Greek, and I, hey, I look... Opa. They always say, you look Greek, um, which I, I guess I do. And so check this out. His friend, Peter, uh, his dad is this gigantic, like, Hulk of a bodybuilder-looking guy. Right. His name, like a like an Adonis, if you will, just like a <laughs> massive. Per- He's like six four, like two eighty or something. Mm. But it's all muscle. But it's not like shredded up muscle. He's just like massive, and his name is Hercules. That's his real name? That's his real fucking <laughs> name. And not only that... I mean, I guess you got to be a guy like that if you have that his name. His name is... You, I mean, you kind of grow into it, uh, I would think. You would I don't have know to. What he or else ate. your parents would be disappointed. Uh, it's ama- And then his wife, who is very beautiful, guess what her name is? Venus. Helen. Oh. Like Helen, like of, Helen Troy. of Troy. Wow. In any case, these people are just beautiful people. He's such a sweetheart. He's he's the such a nice guy, very welcoming, inviting. Does his wife like look like Venus on the half shell, <laughs> or uh, or Helen of Troy? She's pretty. Yeah, she looks like Helen of Troy. Hmm. Um, but uh, and they're just very nice people. And he has the last couple times I've seen him has been like, we got to hang out. You got to come over for a beer. Ooh, yeah. And I got to come over, and I was like, you know, I don't want to break this guy's heart and tell him I don't like him or something. I don't want him to think that. Come for a beer. We drink beer. <laughs> beer. And, um, <laughs> and so when I went to pick up Noah from their house, they had this beautiful pool and uh, he was like, I'm going to get you some drink. Let me get you a beer. And I'm like, ah, nah, man, no, thank you. It's okay. You know, like I was playing, right. I was playing the whole, Oh, I don't need any refreshments. You don't have to worry about me. And I didn't take the opportunity to say, um, I didn't take the opportunity to say, I don't drink, right. which usually puts it to bed because I feel like well, I don't want to disappoint this guy. Not that I would drink to make him happy, but I just, I'm re- I'm like not looking forward to that letdown when I'm like, listen, I definitely want to hang out. We love you guys. Your kid's awesome. Our kids are friends. I don't drink. And like somehow I'm going to just let this this guy down like he had all of these ideas like we would be friends and having a beer by the pool and here i am being a party pooper and i have let someone down well you don't know what's going on in his head he may just want to hang out with you you could always say something like um hey that sounds great i don't i don't drink but i'll come over and have a soda or something or yeah. something like that. I got to do something like that. But you I know. wanted him. And, and how about, because then he ordered for me a water. And I'm like, no, no, it's okay. You don't have to give me anything. And um, 
Yeah, so I, I just, I'm like dreading that conversation. You don't want to make Hercules angry. Huh? No. no. And I, <laughs> I always told Noah too, I'm like, you better listen to that guy. I'm like, I can't protect you from him. If something goes hard, <laughs> like that's it. There's no, I'm like, Noah, there is nothing I can do to protect you from that guy. That's he, inter- but he's, he's, interesting he's though. Do you know, do you know like what his deal is from any of the other parents around? Like, do you know if he's like a party guy or if he's just like a... He's of like a hardworking Super friendly. I mean, he can't drink that much if he looks like that, right? He, I don't think Maybe. he's an alcoholic or anything. I think he's right. way into like working out, right? Maybe, and he's in some kind of construction business. I think. Um, hmm. I don't know, but in any case, I just wanted to share that with everybody because we all deal with that, you know, when we're trying not to drink. And you want to be sociable, you want to be a good host, but you also don't want to be around alcohol that much, right? Even though we say it doesn't bother us, and it doesn't. What bothers me, and I'll speak for myself, is you know, people getting drunk or, you know, it just like, it gets uncomfortable sometimes when you're, you know, not drinking and everybody else is. And, but you're right though. Most of it is in my own head. And if I just look at, uh, you know, past relationships with my neighbors and friends, when I have been honest and just said, you know, I I just, I don't drink. And when, like the other day I got pressed by a neighbor was shopping in my store and I made a comment to her that um, oh, there's a new wine bar opening up in town. Mm-hmm. I said, and uh, and I said, and it's great, you know, like sarcastically. Another, you know, alcohol-related <laughs> business that I can't, you know, yeah. I can't patronize because I don't drink. And uh, and then she, it sounded like she got like kind of like okay, here's my chance to ask him. Uh-huh. You know, we've known her like several years. And she was like, well, yeah, why don't you drink? She sort of, she, she sort of sounds like Fran Drescher. It's kind of funny. And, you know, she's really nice. And, uh, and I said, I used to drink too much. Mm-hmm. Now I don't drink anymore. Yeah, she's like, oh, I didn't. Okay. And you could see the wheels right. turning. And I'm like, and that was it. Yeah. You know, People but, always want to ask more, but they don't yeah. want, you know, they, they are afraid of, I don't know what they're afraid of. People, you know, being like, shut the fuck up. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to tell you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, you know, uh, one thing that I was actually weighing on my mind a little bit, you're speaking about your neighbors and, and all this, um, you know, we got an invitation texted from your wife to go out on this boat with your neighbor. I know this is not on the outline, but no, I'm no, thinking good. about I'm, it all week. too much. Um, Sorry, do you not want me to talk about it? No, do, do. You got So we got an invitation for your wife. Apparently some of the people that we were at your graduation party with were like, ask the Rutkowskis if they want to go out uh, sailing on this boat mm-hmm. in the harbor on right. Friday night. And Yeah, they're either chartering it or it, yeah. it's a really cool boat yeah, it's called an awesome the boat. Christine. Okay. Are we not supposed to say that? Well, I don't know. People well, now they find know. us, but... Yeah. <laughs> Our buddy Grant has uh, found us. uh, (laughs) That's true. Um, Anyway, it sounds cool, but like in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, it's going to be like, everyone's going to just be wasted, you know, drinking on the boat. There's definitely going to be some of that. That group of people aren't like drunk. So, I mean, they have, it's hard to be drunk on on a sailboat because of the throwing up business. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you were there at the the graduation party. No, they were fine, but I don't know what it's like when, if they're just like, you know, going on a sunset booze cruise, you know, if that yeah. <laughs> changed the calculus at I all. I think there know? is a little bit of anxiety amongst people hanging out with me because they haven't, they're like, Nat doesn't, because people think that way. They're right. like, if if uh, Mike doesn't drink, I don't want to like drink in front of him, yeah. which is really sweet. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
Or Maybe we can not drink f- together on the boat, and that'll well, you what, know that'll be great. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, and when I said to my wife, I was like, "Oh, this thing—it sounds like fun, but it also sounds like a booze cruise." Mm-hmm. And she says, "Well, that's why Mike's going to come, and um, you guys can like in solidarity while the rest of us have fun." And I'm like, "What do you mean <laughs> the rest of us have fun?" <laughs> um, that's great. I don't think she actually said yeah. that, but anyway, something. I mean, to I'm not—it's not—I'm not like anxious about it because I love going out on boats. It'll be great. So I'm fine. And okay. guys, I told you it'll be good for the show. We'll we'll uh, we'll report on it. Yeah. Yes. And uh, we'll do it as research. Right. We will do it as right. <laughs> research. Um, one other thing I wanted to get to, I'm not going to talk about this book I'm reading because we, we, we've got our guest showing up today um, okay. in about 10 minutes. I'm very excited for uh, Get Smart with Aaron Moore. Um, uh, but our friend Sergeant Slaughter. Before you do this. Yes. I'm sorry. Go I'm on. interrupting you a lot today. That's okay. It's like, the reverse. It's part of the fun. <laughs> See that? It all um, comes and goes. The other, well, two things. One, remind me to still talk about the potato gun because uh, we promised people we would talk about the potato gun. Yes. But the other thing is, apparently, your buddy, Sergeant Slaughter, is a little irked with me over something that was said on the air a couple weeks ago. Yes, I can't believe you remembered that. Yes, yes please, please go on. <laughs> I don't really remember what it was. That's why I'm throwing it back to you because right. um, back to you. Because I didn't Shep. mean to offend him, and so you know. So well, he's also very gets very sensitive too yeah. um, about these things. But he said, um, I think he heard you say, "Oh, Sergeant Slaughter, I met him, and he was actually a nice guy." <laughs> that was, it was the, but he and, actually was a nice guy. So I well, don't, uh, yeah, but like, so his response was that, what do you mean actually? Like, what did you think I was? Some kind of animal, you know? <laughs> well, I don't know. The way you portrayed him. And, uh, I haven't portrayed <laughs> him in any special way. No, besides. Uh, that's true, I guess. Well, I don't know. I, I apologize uh, if, if I offended you, man. No. You're a nice guy. Forget the actually. Listen, Sergeant Slaughter is like a brother. He's my brother. Okay. And I, uh, he also, <laughs> he asked me... Uh, this week he said do you, I, he was kidding but I think but he was like do you think of me as a producer because he's always giving me ideas <laughs> and I was just laughing I'm like you know yeah he, he had some and then I we started talking he really does have a lot of good ideas uh-huh um and, and the other thing I wanted to uh I wanted to um to say but that I forgot to say was when we talked about um, our old trumpet teacher passing away last oh, yeah. week, um, Sergeant Slaughter was very as close with him, I think, as, as I was. We were. So you a trumpeteer as well? He, he is, yeah. <laughs> I mean, to the point where he was playing in church with me and my dad, wow. and we uh, were in band together, but we would take lessons from this guy. And so, like me, um, the trumpet teacher also, you know, throughout the years would be calling him, would drunk dial him. Oh. I got to hang out. And once or twice, me and Sergeant Slaughter actually did go out with him because <laughs> we felt awful. Yeah. You know, and even when I was drinking and, and even when I was using drugs, still, like that was, uh, a, I didn't want to be seen with that kind of mess. Do you know what I mean? Like, even <laughs> so though were we like, were both drinking, yeah. we're like, still, that is too much. In your head, you were like... Uh, well, I might be fucked up. But I'm not as fucked up as that guy. Right. right. Um, and uh, Jeez. That was... Poor trumpet teacher guy. I know. Um, so I just wanted to bring that up. He also had... Uh, he also thought that... Uh, I should get weak and weird stories from the uh, from the audience because he's 
doesn't like that I always pick a story about either seeing Bigfoot or a new contest <laughs> to pay for the Bigfoot's body. He's sick of the Bigfoot you stuff. You definitely have a, a fixation uh, on the on the Sasquatch. So, so this week, I didn't get this from an audience member, uh, but I have a good week in weird. And also, more listener stories. We don't have enough of our listeners' stories out there, and um, that was his other criticism. Well, uh, the ones they send us. We read. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so if, if any of you all want to hear more listener stories, Please. send us one. Yeah. And he thinks that, you know, we should do it where someone calls in. He thinks we should get a, his suggestion was get a Google voice number. People can call and leave their message, kind of like they do on Dopey. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, and so we'll do that. So uh, producer Sergeant Slaughter, who's also <laughs> worked in entertainment, uh, which we could talk about another time. So he has some experience. Actually, mm. uh, interestingly. Was he playing like a cop in, in Law & Order? Because that tends to be how people get into entertainment in the city. He was a jib camera guy. Oh, really? Um, you know, for like real shows, like on TV, mm. actual TV. Um, yeah, and also, you you know, I, I teased this in the intro. Apparently, you've made a potato automatic rifle type of thing. Are you not going to talk about snorting Vibran because that caught my eye? Well, Sergeant Slaughter had a, had a story about us snorting Vivran that I was going to save for later, maybe okay. in the show because right. we're, we we got to get to right. sorry, uh, Aaron. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But I, yes, I just, there is. I've a not Vi- heard the Vivran snorting story. There so. is a Vivran snorting story with Sergeant Slaughter and me uh, from uh, co- I think it was beginning of college, but maybe we'll wonder, get to it later. Like, do our listeners want to hear about you snorting Vivran or me building a potato gun? Tell me about. I don't the- know. I would pick Viverin myself, but um, okay. So a potato gun. I don't know if uh, any of you out there know what a potato gun is. I posted a picture in the private Facebook group of what <laughs> I posted a picture of my potato gun in the private Facebook group. Uh, so you guys can go there and check it out. But my son came to me and said, Hey, uh, can we build a potato gun? And I was like, what's a potato gun? And then I do some uh, YouTubing and I realized it's like, uh, it's basically a firearm that shoots, um, potatoes as a projectile and it's made out of PVC pipe that you weld together and you use Aquanet as the fuel because it has ether in it. You spray it into this little chamber and you add a, uh, a mechanism to light the ether on fire. In this case, I used a barbecue grill spark igniter screwed into the top. You jam the potato in the end, you spray the aquanet in there, you close the chamber, you press the button and it makes a loud boom and then the potato flies like 400 yards. It's pretty crazy. Uh, so I built it in one day because my son was asked me to build it for him. So I did. And um, yeah, it worked. I, I put a video up of the lemon being shot, but the lemon uh, didn't go very far at all. Hmm. Um, so- I had to also strip the sound out because Erin was like narrating it as I was doing it. And she was using my non-stage name. <laughs> oh, really? Along, uh, and they would know what... Among other identifying details. And, so. and what exactly propels that thing? See, you've been texting the entire time. I've yeah. been telling the potato story. So you missed the part where I'm I I'm trying said, to get our guest on Where here. I said that you use uh, Aquanet <laughs> because it has ether in it. Oh. Yeah, and you light the ether on fire. Yes, the ether. Yes. So uh, I encourage you all to build potato guns and take on the local constabulary with it. Um, I was a little worried because when we finally got the potato out, it went like 400 yards in the air and then smashed into the neighbor's yard uh-huh. next to us <laughs> at a velocity that if it had hit anybody in the head, they, they would have been dead. But nice. I'm pissed at this neighbor anyway because his tree fell on my garage last summer. So, also he deserved it. Um, all right, anyway, our guest is, is that is, enough uh, of the potato guns? That's story? enough of, the, okay. of all of our stuff. 
and the other things we'll we'll, uh, we'll get next week. Um, so now well, we're going yeah, to try and here. get. Uh, we've got Get Smart with Aaron Moore. Uh, today we're going to be talking about um, parenting with a recovery mindset. Get Smart with Aaron Moore, and then you be quiet for a minute so I can put the music in. Get Smart with Aaron Moore. Okay, music. Yeah. Okay. And, cool music. And stand by while we call her. Is this set up? Can I just hit call? Let's hope so. Let's see. Uh, she, ah! Sounded really loud. Yeah. Sounded loud in my ear holes. Um, don't want it to peak. It's, pe- it's not peaking. But it gets a little bit of a. Di- Hello. Aaron. Hello. Welcome to Get Smart with Aaron Moore. Hey. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Here we are. No pressure. <laughs> this is the lowest pressure show, I think, that exists. Um, no, there's... it is. I, I love it. <laughs> um, what's going on? I, You know, thank you so much for doing this show today. I, you've got a lot going on in your life right now. Yeah. I do. Um, you're, is it, you want to talk about it or... You know, what's going sure, on in your life? Sure. Like what's what's going crazy right now? Catch up the listeners. Oh, what's crazy right now? Well, I you know I'm I'm pleased uh, at least that there's stuff going on because I feel like about a year ago this time uh, <laughs> there was not about anything going on. Um, <laughs> yes, now everything's going on. But yeah, I recently you know I I uh, am in the process of moving mm. and uh, I haven't done that in a really long time uh, about. 15 years. Wow. <laughs> That's a long it's time. A whole, yeah, it's a whole thing. And I'm kind of starting over in a lot of ways because, uh, and really apropos to the subject today, my, my adult children are staying in the old house. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah, so I can't just bring all of my stuff, right? Some of those things I'm like, well, if I take their can opener, <laughs> then they won't have one. You know, all those things you accumulate in a home over the years. You're like, wait a minute, I don't have basic things to make a meal. So. Yeah, and moving is so <laughs> moving is so draining. Just a couple times I've had to do it, even though I wasn't moving most of the stuff. Still, at the end of the day, all oh, the stress of it, and ugh, so you must be exhausted. Well, just arranging it, yeah, yeah, arranging it. Like you know, I've I've got a couple friends. Well, they're you know contractors that work uh, with us on, on business stuff. But when it comes to like being able to get people to move things, of course I don't have a truck. So you know how that is. You're uh-huh. like, Hey, you want to come over for coffee? Yeah. And for the first time in 20 years, you're calling a guy because he has a truck. <laughs> exactly. Used to be, exactly. I'm like, used to be able to, used to be able to entice people mm-hmm. with the offer of like a keg, but that that's kind of off the table nowadays. You <laughs> yeah, know, so or an it's eight like ball. The best, yeah, right. Really. Well, the eight ball, if you want the job done fast. I don't have fast. a fair eight ball. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's always the case. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, and luckily, uh, the people that I have doing that aren't wouldn't be interested. Thank God. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah. So anyway, it's, it's yeah, it's a process. It's a big change and a big change for everybody because this is you know the other house my kids grew up there too. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, in the new place, you're going to build a podcast studio, and we're going to produce <laughs> yeah. your your I new have podcast. Space for it, we'll sound like NPR. I have space for it. Yeah, yeah I know it sounds. I feel really weird. There's, you know, it's it's not entirely empty, but it's there's a lot of an echo, so it's kind of a strange 
strange thing, but yeah, I have space for that. It's it's excellent. Oh, it's sweet. Well, we're developing a podcast network. That's my latest manic idea that I had. I'm going to make a podcast network Listen, for recovery. Listen, that's where it's at, baby. And then yeah. we'll we'll promote everything on one this one channel. And um, it'll be like a family of podcasts. I don't think I told Mike about yeah, this. No, you did, yeah. but you make money. It's well, great because you make money in picks and shovels. <laughs> yes. Yes, I want to be in the podcast Yay. family. All right, we're going to do it. We're going to right. do it. Um, yeah, so that's really great. I'm glad that um, I'm glad you made it this week. And uh, we, we weren't exactly as on top of things um, as we usually are. But I really wanted to talk about... Um, uh, parenting. This is something that's been on my mind. And uh, if the audience doesn't remember, Erin uh, is also a mother who's in recovery with, um, I think you have two adult children. I do. I have an 18 year old and a 25 going on 26 year old. So you've so they've uh, seen it all. They've mm. seen it all. And I don't know, like how long ago, how long have you been clean? Like, did they see you maybe go over with us your uh, your recovery journey as it relates to your kids uh, um. yeah yeah so basically my first child I was sober when I got pregnant I well and sober meaning that I had been rehab already and I was 19 years old when I had him and um so they've seen all you know it's been all different things like uh he was probably about two when I thought, well, maybe I can try alcohol. Um, and for a lot of years, I was able, like, I would sometimes be a falling down drunk, but I uh, I don't know. They, they still, you know, they still, it just looked differently from the outside. So I, I put a lot of effort and time into appearing like the perfect mother. And, you know, my kids were at school on time and blah, da, 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 da. But, um, you know, in a lot of ways, I wasn't present because I was just staying home mom for some time, and then I worked from home. And you know, we've been in all all different facets of that. But I'll say um, that when uh, and, and you know, I always credit my oldest child really with saving my life and uh, making me grow up. Because you know, when you have a child at nineteen, you have a couple choices, and it's uh, you know, I mean, yeah, a lot of people don't yeah, certainly. choose that, right? They choose, well, this is the way I was raised because I, you know, my mom was an alcoholic, and and I didn't have any family support, so I really, you know, went that alone, and and then uh, remarried, um, you know, single mom for a part of it, remarried a codependent who I saw drunk once in you know the twenty or so years I've known him, but. That's a lot of people say, what was your secret to not having your children take away through active addiction? And a lot of it had to do with, you know, at least having another solid parent. And, you know, I credit him with that. Right. Uh, you know, times where I wasn't okay that, you know, or, or when I got, you know, really heavily into um, being uh, hooked on opiate, prescription opiates that, um, you know, I would have times where I was just, I couldn't get out of bed because I, you know, was in withdrawals or, Various things, and you know, it's a good thing and maybe a bad thing too that you know he kind of covered for a lot of that. His mom was sick, or yeah, you know, and their needs were met, and and so you know, I uh, to me um, when I when I look at women uh, that I've worked with over the years, whether it's in sponsorship or you know being in the recovery uh, industry, you know, I've met a lot of women who have had their children taken away and the shame around that is it's tremendous, uh, especially for a mother, I'll tell you, but 
I try to let them know, like, I just got lucky. I'm not, I wasn't better than you. I'm not better than you. You know, I don't judge it because one thing I know is that, it, it, you know, my, my addiction was not exclusive uh, from loving my children and that, you know, like right. non-addicts and non-alcoholics can easily see it that way. Like, you think you would stop for your kids. Well, right. Right. So that's a good indicator that this is a powerless thing, you know. And uh, if you could quit for your kids, yeah, you would. I'll say they kid. were the catalyst. Yeah, yeah, they were the catalyst for, you know, they made it, you know, I, there was just a day where I realized, like, I'm not going to survive. And that was about a little over eight years ago. Like, and um, I just wasn't ready to leave my children. And, and uh, would it have been enough to keep me sober? No. Mm-hmm. But it's okay for, you know, when there's a lot of judgment around, when you can't get sober for someone else. Well, you sure can try. Yeah. Right, you know, they, they certainly can be uh, uh, an inspiration for it. Uh, you know, whether it's fear motivated or love or whatever. Yeah, my mother used to say that to me when I was still active, and, and you know, don't. How could you do this to your children? You know, and that used to really hit. You know, hit me where it hurts because I knew that I didn't want this for my children. I didn't want to keep behaving this way. I didn't want to keep putting my life in jeopardy. And, you know, I wished, I wished, I wished I could, you know, say, I'm not going to do this to my kids and I'm stopping tomorrow or (laughs) I'm stopping today. Or it just doesn't add up like that. And, but like you said, in the back of my mind, every time I relapsed and went back to rehab or went back to the rooms you know, they that they were part of, of the motivating factor. But just like they say, if you're not do if you don't want to do it really for yourself, if you're not doing it for you, um, it's extremely more difficult. I think. I used right. To- if you don't find that right, a lot of people end up in, in rehab because they were forced there. It doesn't mean they can't get sober just the same as someone who walks in voluntarily. Right. It's just not a sure thing, you know. I remember back in the, the cocaine years for me when I when I did not have kids and I was not married. I remember thinking a, f- a few times like maybe I should stop doing this, and then I was kind of like, well, why? Like I, I don't have I don't have a family. I don't have you know right. responsibilities to that end. So I just like fuck it. Right, you know, no one to do. Kept, yeah, kept going. And, you know? and when I was when you're active, or at least when I was active, I would convince myself that I'm just doing this to myself. That's something I'm only you hear from myself. That. Right, you hear that all the time. I said it too. Oh like, yeah, and that illusion it, of control, the yeah. fact that I was able to keep shit together, the fact right. that I was able to, you know, get my kids to school on time, be, be the PTA president for five years, and all those things were just so much more damaging to me, honestly, because, you know, everything looked great from the outside. There was no pressure, you know, it, it, until, you know, until it changes where you can't manage any of that. Well, that's the, uh, you, you talk you yourself know. into thinking that you're high, high functional, whatever that means. You yeah. Know? Well, yeah. Or hey, if I was an addict, I would would I be able to hold a job? Right. Blah, blah, blah. You know, if I was an addict, would my kids have matching socks on today? Or you know, all those silly things that we do to, you know, really most of the time the question is answered by if I have to think about all the ways that I'm not, I probably am. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, whatever it is. My kids know, still don't wear say, matching Well, I, I don't mean to be, yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I did learn with, after my second one that that didn't matter at all. Yeah. Like as long as they had them on, but you know, with my first one and I was just a helicopter mom. And a lot of it was because of the way I was raised 
where my mother, you know, my mother was married five times. That doesn't count boyfriends or whoever. Mm-hmm. Um, and if she could have done better, she would have. And, and you know, what really solidified the deal for me about, like, I do not want to die and leave my kids with that as, as what they have to tell people about their mother. Um, <clears throat> you know, my mother died of an oxycodone Xanax overdose when I had 19 days sober in 2013. Oh, wow. Wow. And, uh, it's one of those, uh, yet another thing that couldn't have kept me sober, but it sure lit a fire under my ass. Yeah. I'd know? imagine. <laughs> because, you know, it was, I just thought like I'm in my thirties and this is the most devastating thing I've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and this is with somebody I had a complicated relationship with and I still, you know, uh, every day I think about her and think about how I don't want that to be my children. Right. What I've had to live through. Yeah, and um, that's the, another thing I wanted to um, get to with when it comes to parenting. So, like one part of parenting as as an addict or a recovered addict is while we were uh, active and how that affects the kids and how it affects you know your relationship with them. But the next part that um, I'm coping with now is I, my kids are seven and ten, and um, you know, I've been sober daddy for almost, you know, be four years uh, in January. And um, and so... You want to know how to talk to them. Right. It's like, you know, you know, daddy doesn't drink. That's number one. I don't go around saying, I don't use heroin. Isn't that great, son? <laughs> you know, so we sort of temper that, you know, I'm not, I'm trying to like, he knows that um, when we go to see other people's houses or we go out to dinner, every other adult has got a glass of wine or a glass of this. And I'm pretty much like, and I'll say to him, you know, no, daddy doesn't drink anymore. And slowly but surely I've been, you know, telling him that it's just, it, I used to do it too much. I didn't, mm-hmm. it wasn't good for me. And the more I learn about yeah. it, the less I want to do it. But then it creates a little bit of confusion because, well, why is mommy still drinking? And then you have to right. get into and, this. And daddy, you know, for daddy, it was poison. For mommy, it's not. R- right. You and, know, sometimes about the way we characterize it. And, and I, you know, that that's a common, common, common question. And, you know, I'll say that, um, for me, of course, my children were older and, you know, when I got sober again, but I think a lot of it is like, you know how, like, you grow up thinking that, you know, and then you have kids and you think, oh, there's going to be this one day where we're going to have this sex talk, right? <laughs> um, and for me, what I learned over the years was that those that those are a series of talks, you know, depending on what they ask about, depending on their developmental level, depending on, you know, they'll let you know when they're ready. And if you're a tuned in parent, you don't, you know, those opportunities come up with or without your permission. Right. That's right. Um, and it'll be a little bit, you know, it'll be like, Hey, we're not talking about the full blown thing because they're five and they're asking about, you know, and you're letting them know, like, it's okay. <laughs> you know, it's okay to like do whatever you're doing. Um, you know, cause little, you know, I don't know if your experience with small children was the same, but you know, sometimes, they would be just inadvertently kind of hand in their pants and, you know, just saying like, it's okay to do that when we have company, if you could go to, you know, somewhere <laughs> private or, <laughs> right. you know what I mean? Where you're not like going into the whole deal, but it's a series of things. And I find this to be similar. You know, the funny thing was that I still thought about a month after I got sober and I had been going to A every day and I was gone more and blah, 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 whatever, but I had been working a lot. So my kids didn't really, notice um i've been working a lot prior to that that i remember having the discussion 
with them, uh, with my oldest, who was like going on 17 at the time. And I was like, listen, I'm, my heart's pounding and I'm thinking I'm going to have to, you know, tell this kid that I'm an addict mm-hmm. and that I'm trying to get better and it's going to be devastating and it's going to be earth shattering. And I told him and he's like, duh. <laughs> yeah, no yeah, they're mu- kids, Sherlock, and I. They, I was they, like, "Oh, I'm not as good at hiding it." No, I mean the kids. Kids are extremely perceptive. They pick up on stuff and and probably have a whole body of knowledge about you that you don't you don't even have about yourself. Oh, it's amazing. You know? it, it, when you yeah, when you, when it starts, and when I think about the things I knew about my mother, right, that she probably didn't know that I knew, or the things I found out after she passed, or whatever it is, you know, I know that that's true, and and I know that. The conversations are hilarious because my oldest child couldn't care. Doesn't doesn't really care much about what has that Asperger's and kind of is just kind of um, self involved a little more. And then my youngest is of course so curious. He thinks it's mm. kind of funny and he'll ask me like, "Have you ever used X Y Z?" And like <laughs> most of the time the answer is yes. And I, yeah. I can just you know, he just kind of shakes his head and laughs like. Yeah, yeah, I've been not. I've been doing non-answers. Like I, I decided that I didn't want to straight up lie to my son because we have a very open dialogue about stuff. But you know, it, even with like marijuana has come up, and anytime he's like, "What well, did you do that, Dad?" and I said, "You know, I'll just say I'm not going to answer that right now," which is a yes, and he knows it, and he gets a kick out of it. Right, right, right. Um, and know. I reserve the right to you know to my privacy, but. You know, I'll say also that I use those moments. It's easy to say, well, if I tell my kid, if I say I did this and I tell my kids not to, am I a hypocrite? Oh, the yes. answer to that is, in my opinion, it depends on how you frame it. And with my children, I've been very open um, about, and, and, you know, part of it is just we've always been very open and funny and probably, probably a little TMI oversharing, but not, you know, I try to be very careful about that too. Um, just because I knew a lot of things that kids shouldn't know when they were growing up, just about their parents' lives and about their problems and about all that. But I, I when I do characterize it to them, I let them know that, um, yeah, I did it. I did it. And you know what? It is a bad idea. I'll tell you why. Right. It nearly you know, and, and we're at that age. That's You know, they're adults, yes. so I don't have as much. You know, it's hard when they're younger and you have to keep some semblance of, like, being authority and being you know, that's important. And so it's okay to withhold things that you think they're not ready for. And right. I think you're both tuned into your kids. You know what that is. Yeah. And that's the key, I think for or what me. you're not ready for. Yeah. That's the key for me is that open dialogue. Uh, I know I was cruising the internet for some articles and I came across something on the recovery Uh, and it's, it's all about discussing, talking about your addiction with your kids. And I just wanted to read a couple of their bullet points here that I thought would be good for the discussion. Uh, And the header is explaining addiction and recovery to your children. There is no right or wrong time to begin speaking to your kids about addiction, but the conversation should be age specific. Your choice of language and the detail you provide will depend on the age and maturity of your child. Hey, that's what I mm-hmm. just said. Absolutely. Exactly. And then it says, be <laughs> I honest. I am an expert. You are. <laughs> be honest about the problem is the first thing they say. Know as much about addiction as possible so that you can explain it in age-appropriate terms. Acknowledge the impact that addiction had on your life and your relationship with your children. Ask children open-ended key. questions. And then inf- emphasize that nothing that has transpired is their fault. That's an interesting point. They did not cause the addiction yeah. to happen or make it worse. 
Um, yeah, and um, and there's a bunch. Uh, you know, I recommend everyone uh, go to their show notes and um, take a look at this article. But you know, it pretty much is just reinforcing. You know, um, what you've already been saying about this open dialogue and being age appropriate. And I never like to go along with the, like what my parents used to do was just straight up lie to me. Um, as far oh, yeah. as like Santa Claus is real, I mean, like you know, um, they well, should. And when just... you figure it out, they'll just gaslight the hell out of you. That's one thing I was really careful about with my kids too. If they were old enough to figure it out, I wasn't going to try to convince them if it's clear that like yeah, it doesn't exist, right? Right. What I did, of course, they were like my oldest was like five when he figured it out, and I'm like, here's the deal: do not say this at school. Like, I do not need a bunch of angry moms. Right. Telling me I ruined their kid's childhood. Like I don't, I don't do it. You know. Yeah, they say the class. Like, you may understand this. Yeah. Yeah, it's so hard. People are so, you know, whatever. I mean, I understand the magic of that and the fun of that, but I also, you know, had enough experience as a child where I was told something was happening that wasn't, or vice versa. Hello. Hello. Did we lose you? Yeah. Oh no! Did oh, you? There you I are. There you go. Oh, I won't go into that part of my house again. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the ever. evil part. <laughs> well, you know, Ben Ben found out that Santa Claus wasn't real uh, last year, and he's become very um, annoyed with with me and and Aaron for uh, keeping it from him for so many years. And you know, he's extrapolated that knowledge into the Tooth Fairy uh, and uh, the the Easter. The bunny. East, Easter bunny. Easter well, like, good because who ever has a dollar bill anymore? I mean, <laughs> yeah. Can the can the people even know I I told it's a totally scary thing when your kids are young, though, and and I know, yeah. you know that that you worry about what they think about you, or or right. you know that you're going to say that one thing that makes them also become addicts, and it's not going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I, I had some problems last year because my son, who is like 14, 15, started getting involved. He was smoking a lot of pot and he was hanging out with his yeah. friends and he was drinking and like, you know, well. Really, like, I learned it from watching you. Well, right. Yes. Like that drug commercial. I learned right? it like, from watching right. you, dad. But that you go back, it was actually more like two years ago and it was it was really sort of one of the, you know, I had been kicking the idea of, of quitting drinking around for a little while, but Part of the fact is, you know, watching him start to get into it and, and get into the the pot, and I was like, you know what, I really just for the sake of, just so I can, you know, have some ability to talk to this kid, you know, I, I can't be like, you know, high or <laughs> drunk when I'm doing it, you know, right. but because, you know, he, I, I made the mistake early on, like he, he started smoking pot and I was kind of like, you know, he, he actually found some weed that I had around oh. the house. And he so, definitely learned it from watching right. you, Dad. So, yeah, it was like a commercial entirely. When I say found, like he broke into a safe I had in my room and found it in there. So, oh, so then you're like, wait a minute, like we're both wrong. Yeah, except he wasn't having that. So, uh, you know, I tried to have a, a frank conversation with him. I said, you know, I have some weed around, you know, if I go to a concert once or twice a year, you know. Um, 
Right. But, but you know, then when he started getting more seriously into it and we started to have to come down a bit, like a little bit of a hammer on him, like he was, yeah. it was right back in like, my face. Like there was no, right. There that. was no credibility. And I said, dude, it took me 13 years to graduate college. And, and you know, I, I didn't buy a, you know, get a house until I was in my mid four. Like, I'm like, you don't want to do what I did. Yeah. You don't want to spend the amount yeah. of time that I spent Learn you know, from fucking my around, you know, and you know, it's so hard to convince them of stuff like that. But, yeah. You know, it really is. And I just, my only hope, you know, my, I'll tell you my oldest, when, um, uh, when he was in middle school, we had a really a lot of difficulty, just a lot of, I, and part of it was me that I didn't ever have an example of like how you resolve conflict, mm-hmm. um, in a healthy way. And so we were always at each other and it was just that age. And I, uh, we went to a therapist and, um, the therapist, once they started getting some history from me and I kind of was withholding partially because I was still uh, in denial about, you know, just being in a 15 year relapse, what it ended up being. Right. Um, but I, you know, as they got family history and they realized, okay, my oldest, you know, his dad, I met in NA back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, my mother had this problem and other people in my family were already dead from it. And the therapist really like pulled out the whole Glenn Beck, like whiteboard and was like, this is what happens in your brain. <laughs> yeah. And like, with <laughs> But was like super, you know, like I, at first I was like, well, this is a lot, but mm. said to him, like, you know, he kind of explained the genetic components and some of the ways, you know, like in a way that wasn't just like, well, you're doomed to become an addict, but like, hey, your chances are not great. And here's how it hijacks your brain, hijacks your system. And with your strong family history of having this issue, it would be advisable that you either never have a drink, you know, never use drugs or you know, to wait until your brain is at least developed to start, you know, to yeah. ever introduce because your chances are not good. Did that work? Because the, the therapist tried that with it my did. son and it did not work. Uh, uh, something. Well, just- my kids were, they hadn't already initiated anything, you know, like they're, I'll say it's harder once they've tried it and they're like, yeah, but it feels good. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my oldest tried weed one time behind a CBS during high school and uh, didn't like it. And, you know, both of my kids are like, I don't like feeling out of it. And I'm like, I can't relate. I've got a bullet point that's apropos here. I love to use my outline. Hold on. So yes, I have this outline. bullet point here. It's going right along with what we're saying. And what I have here, it's from that same article from the Recovery Village. It says, studies show that 17.2% of eighth graders... And one third of tenth graders are already using illicit drugs. Oh my god! So I mean, when I think of an eighth grader, I think of my son when he'll—he's an eighth grader. Be I guess what thirteen? Yes. Like we have to Probably, be realistic. Yeah, I was say 12, 13. You know, yeah. I can't be under any illusions that my children are are you know immune from this. And in fact, I have the opposite problem. This is another point I wanted to get to with you, which is projecting our problems Mm -hmm. you know like when i see noah behaving a certain way with like soda where like oh he he's drinking too much soda Mm -hmm. he can't put it down like i'm thinking that's addict behavior and so i'm constantly projecting this terror that Mm -hmm. he's going to become you know like me you know and uh and i don't know like how do we get away from that i really well, I really believe in now, there's some stuff I don't believe in the whole package, right? When you think about the secret, remember that? Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, manifestation. Manifest, manifesting. You picture yeah, a big I house really and you believe, get it. Yeah, well, and more than that, though, like, I think 
the part of it that really speaks to me is that what we put out there is what we're putting out there. So the universe doesn't, now this is going to get kooky, y'all. Uh, <laughs> sorry. And oh, we I'm going to shout out to Seth Roberts <laughs> here word. because she can, yeah, <laughs> Seth Roberts really going to get me on this one because he likes to. Um, but anyway, <laughs> so girl, I know this is crazy, but listen, um, you know, I really believe a lot. Like I think that the universe doesn't know whether you're saying I don't want or I do want, you know, so you're putting out yeah. this energy like, Hey, I have this fear of being broke. Well, the, ener- the energy is being right. picked up as being broke. Like yeah. don't, if you keep and saying, so, don't crash, don't know, crash, don't crash, don't crash. Right. You're also saying crash, 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 crash. Or don't. Oh, right. You're putting this energy into the right. universe of the thing that doesn't, you know, I don't, I don't know. Whatever you believe in, I don't think there's a, I yeah. just think that would, yeah. So the more I worry about something, the more I basically, what is that thing that what you fear in the dark comes uh, to pass in the day or I don't know. Mm. Same difference. <laughs> you get what I'm saying. Yeah. It's yeah. the same deal. Don't so. think about a pink elephant. But I, yeah, don't think about it. But I don't want to be like, I don't want to be naive either. So I'm striking this balance where like on the one hand, I'm not, I, I don't want to accuse my son preemptively of being an addict yeah. before, you know, but I also don't want to like be naive to the fact that it, well, this could be a real problem. Well, that drug becomes or is an addict. In fact, you know, most of the population is not statistically just not prone the, to this. The they, that, they use and drink and they're fine. They could, I don't think many people casually use crack, but. I think things like, like marijuana, you know, like it's a little relaxing yeah, crack yeah. after work. <laughs> Sit in your smoking jacket with your legs <laughs> crossed in front of the fire. Look yeah. in the big book. But I mean, yeah, the, the big book says just put it in milk. Milk the, and the scotch. Kidding, the fact that you have it foremost in your mind, Nat, yes. like means that you're not going to, because the worry is you're just going to drop all this subtle shit that's going to influence him into, right. it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. If you worry about it so much, he's going to pick up on it. Yeah, like with these know? energy drinks, he wants, all of a sudden he's obsessed with getting energy drinks and I didn't want him to have it that's at a, all. That's a gamer thing. Ugh, it's so They drink fucking this powdery yeah, shit. And they, they, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, ugh. And the YouTubers, but well, I can, see can an I addict quickly, when I hear him ask for that stuff. My, I see addiction. My son, uh, you know, the, the older one who was having a lot of problems with school last year, finally um, ordered this stuff on the internet. G-Fuel. G-Fuel. It's no they they all it. take it. But but he's like so ADHD that he took it and it like focused him. I know. That's why so, I want to try it so, with him. <laughs> so he all of a sudden started pulling better grades in school and doing all this stuff. And I, and I attribute, and I will never say this outside of like this small room of you know, thousands of people. But um, I attribute a lot of that to his, the fact that he re-engaged with school is like he was taking this G-Force stuff and it allowed him to, to Well, focus. I'm going to yeah. tell you, and I'll tell you this because I don't give a shit because my kids are adults and if you want them DSS, come get them. But here's the deal. <laughs> you know, there was time during middle school where they really wanted to put my oldest who was diagnosed with ADHD on um, some controlled medications right. that I, I just was really uncomfortable with and not necessarily on the whole, but I, you know, I, I had to think about that a long time. I yeah. had to, cause I was really medicated from a very young age of like 12. And so a lot of my own shit was tied in there where I was like, the breaks at least. Um, but what I, I, you know, I did give him energy drinks before school, mm-hmm. uh, not like your pound a couple, but like every, you know, a few times a week, like, and it helped. Yes. No and it actually made yeah. it more comfortable for me to, to try the medication because I thought, well, shit, at least I didn't have all the other stuff that's on this label. And I'm a little, like, I see work 
I'm just not comfortable with plying my kid with energy drinks like a pageant child and right. <laughs> you know, like pat, patting them on the ass and say, go, go at it. Um, but I, you know, we try all kinds of things. It will do anything um, when, when our kids are suffering. That's, yeah, and, he, fact, and but, he might yeah. have ADHD legitimately. We're right now um, trying to get him evaluated, you know, and it's been very difficult because there's been so much trouble amongst children and their emotional status and their mental health <clears throat> that getting a um, an appointment even with someone that can even begin yeah. to give your child a diagnosis that can be official and can then get you to a psychiatrist if you, you know if it comes to that is six months out you know and so we've been waiting and waiting so part yes, of me is that like was where we were it yeah. wasn't that easy before either let me tell you getting a kid <laughs> mental health yeah. assistance is so much harder than when they're adults and it's not right you know no. it, it took me into with that child we had to actually have him basically self-committed like he was you know we had to go to an er one day after trying for years to get, you know where he would have these suicidal jags and like I, at that point i was taking him to work with me and making him stay in my office i mean i was really terrified um oh. that he was you know that i'd come home and he would not be okay but um but just trying to get him help as a minor was just impossible yep. um and it's it wasn't difficult. until he was an adult you know, it was, it was awful. And, and he's really had good care since then, but, um, and he does his own appointments, which shocks the hell out of me because I can't get him to do dishes or whatever, but, you know, has been stable since then. But as an adolescent, it was like, I mean, people just were like, well, one person I know whose child went through that, um, sat in the ER for a week, <laughs> for a week. Yeah. In the emergency room, trying to find placement for this kid, and they wish they had gone. And nobody should, you know. Then it's just uh, a deterrent, um, you well, know, because you don't want your kid sitting in the emergency, and they don't get to leave either because at that point they're committed. Too bad. Yeah, but, and now then, you have no rights to parent. It's and, hard. Then, and then there's this whole the troubled teen industry that just preys on parents that have, have you know, oh, yeah, inability to get, to get, don't the, get uh, me started. I don't mean, even get me started. Yeah. I could tell you some stories about some of the people we interacted with, you know, when my son was kind of losing. Oh, well, y'all know mine. Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Um, it's crazy. It's crazy. And, um, uh, I was also thinking about, um, you know, so all of these components that we're dealing with while we were active, then there's when you finally found recovery or began to try. And then for me, another aspect of this was, you know, I also had legals. I was on probation for DWI and, um, and I was court mandated to be at, I had my probation meeting. I had an outpatient uh, rehab that I was required to complete, which took me five years to complete a one-year program. And, uh, and so I was constantly going, oh, you know, I had five meetings a week at the outpatient. I had to get to my probation at least once a week. And then right. as part of probation, as part of outpatient, I had to also attend AA meetings, speak to a sponsor. You were away from home a lot. Like, a yeah. And I would always get, get it from my sponsor or the other people in the rooms were like, if you don't do this, then you won't have the kids at all. And I agree with that, you know, and I did that for the longest time. And like a couple of times, but uh, when I had to go away to rehab, two times I went away. 
you know, it's another, daddy's on another business trip, you know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. when I finally got through all of it, it was years had gone by where daddy was always out somewhere doing something, but it wasn't at home. Now, I was getting well, but at the same time, so much of it was court mandated, and I don't think it was necessarily had my best interests at heart. And I feel family, like I yeah. feel like it negatively affected um, my my kids. And I, yes, I guess it was my fault, but I really felt like that the system. And I don't want to be victim here, but I feel like it was you know, it wasn't good. Like it wasn't all for the best. Like my mom will say, this was all for the best. Cause look at you now. Mm. And I was like, you know what? Maybe, maybe there could have been two less years of that. Maybe I wouldn't have overdosed on fentanyl, you know, because of all the pressure I was under because of these things, I was trying to get my life back together. And so I worry about how my kids were affected by that whole thing. And it's one of the reasons I don't go to meetings besides COVID, one of the re- reasons I, I don't I hate to leave my house during the week is because I feel like I'm making up for being away so much. I just I want to well, be home. Well, I'll tell you, if I can make you a promise right now, Matt, it's that that's not why your kids are going to need therapy. Right, it's true. <laughs> I yeah. think that about things. You know, I'm like, well, no, it's probably just other actual real shit about what happens when I am home that my kids are going to need <laughs> therapy, but. Right, right. But, uh, you point. know what I mean? Like, uh, you gotta get off the cross. And you, you know, you, you, your kids, I promise you that there are a lot of things maybe they don't understand now, but you'll have the opportunity. If you stay sober and survive, then you will have the opportunity to explain because, you know, they, they'll understand it. They, they really will. Um, it just feels like, uh, kind of like how we want to rush into the ninth set if you're in the 12, you know, you get sober and all of a sudden you're like on the apology tour and mm-hmm. trying to just make things feel okay. And, you know, it may not feel all okay right now, but it will be because, you, you know, this sober relationship, like I was home immediately, similar to you, a lot less than I ever had been partially, you know, because after work I was going to meetings and I had always been working a lot, but the time I've had with my kids is quality, and and I ha- I just wasn't present for years. I was right. at home and not present. So, really, it's about what you do when you are there, mm-hmm. you yeah. know, and the intent behind it, and what you know, just kind of having some patience and letting it unfold where it will all become clear to them. Just like in things like you know divorce or all those other things, and in the immediate, it looks a certain way. You know, kids, kids, kids pick up on stuff. You know, like like you were saying earlier, the both of you. Um, you know, they they just their their capacity to understand things is so much greater than ours because everything was right. hidden from us. And that's even you more. Know, parents didn't apologize. Parents didn't say, "Hey, you know, you were not giving that." <laughs> like it wasn't happening. Just, Right. And, and that, that ties the whole thing together. I think on what we talked about is visualizing and and projecting positive thoughts and when when we speak to our kids and when we think to ourselves to think in terms of success and sobriety and less in terms of what is going to go wrong and i think that you know maybe maybe that is the best you know course of action is to just be as honest as possible you know, just like um, when you're making amends, just unless it would harm someone, you know, to really just right. open Being that dialogue. as honest as possible, withholding things that aren't their business. Because there are things, of, you know, with kids that we never, you know, and I don't care now 
as an adult even, and they're adults, there are things I'll never tell my kids I've done or, or gone through because, right. you know. We don't have to tell them everything. There's things they, don't, they, they don't need to yeah. know everything. There's things I'll never tell yeah. my podcast partner, you know. All yeah, like about really? that one time. I, no, I'm kidding. I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> that one time. Oh, man. Our, Aaron, we've had a great episode of Get Smart. Um, I, I think that. we're going to have to, we got to move on and finish the rest of the show and I have to pee really bad. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on again and doing a great job, even though you're having this chaos with your moving. Um, you can find Erin on our private Facebook group or on her uh, website to read her blog, which is called Phoenix Rising, I think, or Rising Phoenix. It's Falling Phoenix. Falling Phoenix. I wanted the Phoenix to rise, but you want the Phoenix to rise. Yeah, well, that's, yeah. (laughs) So Falling Phoenix. That was their whole Link in the show notes. Link is in the show notes. And thank you so much. We'll have another Get Smart in a few weeks. And um, very much looking forward to it. Thank you so much, Aaron. Bye-bye. All right. Love you guys. Love you too. Bye. Bye. That was a great interview. and That was a great interview. Sorry, I stopped it and then started it. uh, And we'll be right back after these words. Edition of Get Smart with Aaron Moore. You know what? It's nice to have somebody else do a bit of talking so we can sit here and eat all that candy that was inside your pastor of the year (laughs) cup. I noticed that your church got the rainbow... Uh, Hershey's Kisses the, for Pride Week. The Presbyterian Church approves gay marriages. Fantastic. They, they great. conduct them, and it's one of the things I like about my church, as I am a big supporter of LGBTQ+. Just so you know. There's other letters, too, that have been added recently. Have they really? I think so. Um, I don't know what they are, though. It's interesting. I actually do social media for a... Uh, I was going to bring that up, but I I'll let you do it. <laughs> I'll tell you guys more. I've been picking up some extra jobs lately because uh, I need to make some money and the economy's coming back. And there's a lot of things I can do besides, you know, throw money away in the store. And uh, one of the things I've been doing is getting back into social media marketing and just marketing on the internet. And so one of the companies I picked up as a client is... Um, well, I'm not going to Don't reveal it, but they support LGBTQ like uh, everything, like all of their revenue and their branding and marketing. It's all related to the LGBTQ plus community. So in the last two or three months, I've been not two or three months, last two or three weeks, I've been firmly <laughs> ensconced in the uh, gay community. And when I log, it's so funny because when that I log. That explains the uh, Daisy Dukes. <laughs> and the- <laughs> when I log into their Instagram, it's funny because I have, you know, I log in and then just the stuff that pops up on my phone when I'm logged into their Instagram is just like, oh my God, it's really funny. It starts playing YMCA. And- it's, yeah, it's a lot of assless chaps and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> stuff like that but right, it, right in your element but I really love it and um, and, and we've been getting a lot of hate comments which has been really fucked up that's fucked up because like, I'll do a post about you know there was a pride parade over last weekend and so I'll do a post with the poster and then um, and I'll target you know certain things in uh, the, the radius and um, one, you know we, so it's geared towards the Long Island area yes oh well, well that explains it <laughs> some of it was in Connecticut they had thought okay. like Connecticut Long Island Miami is big for them so they're yeah. all over but in any case we got some hateful uh, someone was like pride is a hate group 
or something like that. And all these con- conservatives, it's all projection. Yeah. It's all, you know. Yeah, they're all gay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but in any case, so that's happening. Not conservatives, I shouldn't say that. There's a certain strain of conservatism that. Yeah. I'll just stop talking now. And now it's time for recovering the news. I always wonder. I'm sorry. Do you think? I always wonder if people are still listening up to this point. Do you think? <laughs> I don't know. There's no way to know like either. know what the, the fall off those is. Those stats are not available. No. You know, thank for God all I for know, that. they're in and out in the first 10 Five minutes. seconds, you know. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we hit 20,000 total downloads, by oh, the way. Oh, shit. You. Yeah. Right. 20,000 downloads, guys. It's all thanks to you folks. Good folks out there. It's great. We, we really are growing. And thank you so much. Keep listening. Keep sharing. Yes. Recovering the moves. Recovery in the news. <laughs> Recovery in the muse. Um, this article comes to us uh, in the aggregate present that G Money Smooth has been providing me every Thursday Thank or so. Thank you, G Money Smooth. It's, it uh, Grant, saves me an enormous of amount of time. Um, yeah. that I don't have to sort through this stuff. So. Yeah, if you guys want to volunteer for anything, please let us know. There are unpaid positions opening all the time. <laughs> yeah, put it on your resume. Yeah. <laughs> you can have them call me as a reference. G-Money can be the uh, media director yes. or something. The or the, head know. director of keeping it real. Yeah. who He actually, it's funny, he sent a, a list of stories and one story, I don't know if you caught it, but it was about an um, area that was extremely close to home shall we say. Really? Yes. And apparently he has figured out our top secret location. Oh, he did, <laughs> yes. did he? And, uh, he's sharp, he's sharp. Yeah. But uh, he says, you know, it's, he said we're not really hiding it all that well, and no. I, I tend to agree. It's okay. It's okay. I feel good about me. Right. I me feel too. good about me. All right. <laughs> yeah, man. That's right. You want a hug? I, no. Not really. Okay. It's fine. So, Does um, America have a drinking problem? America has a drinking That's problem. That's the title. Yes. Um, and this, this comes from the Atlantic Magazine. And I'd actually come across this article before he sent it to me. And, and, uh, but when he sent it to me, I actually read it. And it's long and it's involved. And I was like, oh, this is way too long to talk about. But a couple of the salient points uh, in the article are, um, one, that Americans don't drink like everybody else. We drink a lot alone. Mm. We drink a lot um, in a binge way. Um, and while I would agree with that, um, the other focus of the article is like that there is a healthy way to drink and that drinking actually has some positive effects for sociability and socialization. Well, it's a social lubricant. A social lubricant. But I think... And I was kind of trying to find the thread running through the article because the, the, the way the article was put forth, the title is America Has a Drinking Problem. But then the bulk of the article is is really about how um, America has a drinking problem, not because there's too much drinking, but because the way the drinking is done. I see. So it's not, you know, so so I guess the author, the author's point is that if we just change the way we drink, alcohol can be embraced and, yes. and woven into the fabric of our society. And if we can only be more European about it and drink wine with 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 our food or some shit like that, you know, everything would be fine. And and I think any article that posits that alcohol can be sort of retooled to become, um, you know, a a um, a po- like a mental health positive in society yeah. has to be counter counterbalanced with all of the 
incredible destruction and wreckage of families and lives that yeah. come with it. Um, that, that does not get talked about. You know what's crazy is it doesn't get talked about so much, but everybody's experienced it. Yeah. Everybody. There's right. nobody out there who hasn't been touched by somebody, some drunk uncle, some like... You know, something that happened to you specifically. Or drunk parent drunk or parent, drunk child abuse, or, or yeah. you've known someone who... Or murdered know. or killed in a drunk driving accident. I, I think or, if everybody had just read the Bible where the very first alcoholic, Noah, there's that famous story right. where Noah finally gets on the new land. Right. He uh, discovers how to ferment grapes. You had to spend 40 days on an ark with your family. Yeah. <laughs> and then what does Noah do? Not my Noah, the Noah from the Bible. He gets wasted and he's passed out naked on the beach and right. Ham and whatever the other guy's name is, right. they come and discover him. One of the brothers laughs at his naked drunk father and the other one covers him up. Covers him up. The one who didn't cover him up, his children were cursed for generations. And, hmm. you know, we should have all learned that the f- very first, according to uh, this the Bible, you know, drunk, look what happened. He ended up drunk on a beach with his child laughing at him. That should have been a warning. That's It should have been. But I... I I learned a couple of things about drinking in this article that I did not know. One is that the Mayflower landed at Plymouth Rock because the crew was worried that the pilgrims were going through the beer too quickly on the boat, <laughs> and things were getting things were getting a little hairy out there on the Mayflower. Um, the ship was heading for the mouth of the Hudson until the sailors, who, like most Europeans of the time, preferred beer to water, panicked at the possibility of running out before they got home and threatened mutiny. And so the pilgrims were kicked ashore short of their intended destination and beerless. Beerless. Yes. So all those Puritans were not so so Puritan. Not so pure. But, uh, yeah. William Bradford complained bitterly about the latter in his diary that winter, which was really saying something when you consider uh, what trouble the group was in, you know, starving to death and freezing to death. But William Bradford spared some time to complain about the lack of beer. (laughs) Well, that's very important. (laughs) Which I think was kind of funny. Didn't they not have clean water for the most part and they only drink they could really safely drink was alcohol. Isn't that right? Some, some of that has been proven to be a myth. Is it? Okay. Um, because there's plenty of fresh water around. But um, yeah, um, but still people drank considerably more, almost twice the amount uh, in colonial times than we do today. Whether that was because the water was bad or people just, you know, their lives are more miserable when this, you don't have electricity, and, you know. Is this some of our like recovery history? Because we were going to start tackling like, you know, because it's recovery in the Middle Ages, and we've gotten some confused uh, people out there thinking that we are actually covering the time period, the Middle Ages, and a recovery from alcohol, you know, back then. We had a listener um, who found us. Uh, he, he was on the Facebook group, and he said he found us because he stumbled upon us and thought we were a history podcast. Yes. And he started listening because he was like, oh, that's interesting. I wonder yeah. what it was like to not drink in the Middle Ages. <laughs> yeah, and then right. he's, like, he, oh, he's like, okay, it's not okay, that. You know. But then he kept listening. He kept so, listening. Yeah. We got him. Yeah. So um, anyway, I mean, there's a lot more to that article. I encourage you guys to go out and uh, read it. It's um, online. Theatlantic.com has it. Uh, they, they posted it on Facebook on June 1st, and a lot of the comments were very interesting. As usual, they were the ardent defenders of um, their, their right to be you know, borderline alcoholics. <laughs> and, and then there were people who were like, I quit drinking five years ago, and it was the best thing I ever did 
for mm. my mental health. So, yeah, yeah. well, you know, you got to balance it out. Um, I wanted to. I, I was just reading the end of this article. The end of the article on here. I thought this would be interesting for the listeners. Oh yeah. Uh, it says, and this is from the article: George Washington first won elected office in 1758 by getting voters soused. Mm. He is said to have given them. Uh, 144 gallons of alcohol, enough to win him 307 votes and a seat in Virginia's House of Burgesses. During the Revolutionary War, he used the same tactic to keep troops happy, and he later became one of the country's leading whiskey distillers. But he nonetheless took to moralizing when it came to other people's drinking, which in 1789 he called, quote, the ruin of half the workmen in this country well, so i thought that that's extremely interesting but this has been a problem and like uh, like any good alcohol purveyor he profits off of other people's misery that's right that's <laughs> right not like us we're yeah. not profiting at all no <laughs> we're covering the news and now it's time for this week in weird. It's Bigfoot, right? No. <laughs> Eerie alien finger. A finger. Whoops. <laughs> Eerie alien figure filmed in India by our favorite Tim Benal. An amusing difference of opinion has emerged among the Bush. Wait, that was the wrong title. <laughs> I'm sorry. That was the wrong title. This is all about the Bush family arguing about. Aliens. All right. So the title I think was uh, Bush Talk, Bush perhaps, Family. Yeah. Something films alien in India. Yeah. Was have nothing to do with India. An amusing difference of opinion has emerged among the Bush family as to whether or not the White House is haunted. As the former first lady dismissed such an idea, while her daughter insists it's true. The proverbial paranormal divide reportedly came to light earlier this month when Laura Bush appeared on the Kelly Clarkson show. <laughs> During her conversation, the former first lady was asked if she had ever experienced ghostly activity in the White House as her daughter, Jenna Bush Hager, has claimed happened to her and her sister while they were living there. Unfortunately for the former first daughters, their mother responded in the negative and suggested that they were imagining the spooky activity. Quote, Barbara and Jenna were the ones that felt like it was haunted and pretended they heard voices, she said. It's probably just the Secret Service talking down the hall in another room that they heard, but we didn't think it was haunted. As one might imagine, having her paranormal experience debunked by her mother on national television didn't sit too well with her daughter, Jenna, who pushed back on the assertion that she was ex that she was exaggerating during a subsequent appearance on the Today Show, explaining that the two sisters would often hear 1920s piano music being played outside their room at night. She recounted talking to a longtime worker at the White House named Buddy about the weirdness. Quote, I said, Buddy, you wouldn't believe what Barbara and I heard last night, she recalled. And he said, oh, Jenna, you wouldn't believe what I've seen in these walls. The former first daughter went on to offer to call her sister that she could confirm the experience and argued that it's rather unlikely that Secret Service agents were playing 1920s piano music outside their room at night. Quote, I love my mom, she said with a laugh, but the ghost might not have been into her. Hmm. The Bush sisters are not the first residents of the White House to recount ghostly experiences in the building as it has a long history of purported paranormal activity. That was a long one. That was a long one. I, um, bet, I bet it was uh, Dick Cheney who was playing the piano. <laughs> I mean, he I had, died like years ago, didn't he? 
Uh, Dick? No, he's still no, I'm, dicking he's around. Being kept alive. Yeah, she's being kept alive. <laughs> <laughs> like the emperor, you know. He's, he freaking, is emperor Palpatine. If you look closely, <laughs> um, you know. I went through this a lot. With uh, I grew up in a haunted house, and I heard things. And my father. Whoa, claims, whoa, whoa! You just kind of slipped that one in there. Oh yeah. Oh, I grew up in a haunted house. I grew up in a haunted house. That's maybe a story for another episode. Uh, and in any case, finally, my mother admitted she saw it. She heard things too, and saw things. But for a long time, they pretended like Dick Cheney in your house. Too. Dick Dick Cheney was not in the house. And that is this week in weird. Is that it? Jesus Christ, we've been doing this for a fucking hour and a half now. That about does it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Visit us at middleagesrecovery.com and check out our new merch page. Join the discussion on our exclusive and private Facebook group. If you need to talk, don't hesitate to reach out to us. Check out our show notes. Mike works very hard in them, and there are many hilarious Easter eggs to find. There really aren't. Um, Where should they (laughs) listen to us? Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Facebooks, Instagram, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube... Twitter. I don't think you can listen to us on Twitter. Should they tweet us a twat you twit? <laughs> yes. Are and we going to call the audience twits or not? I, I'm no. trying to figure that we're, out. Guys, we're looking for a name for our audience. Like the RMA There's twits. There's the Dopey Nation. We need right. something else. We got it. So please submit your ideas for what we're going to call ourselves. If you don't here. want to be called a twit. It's perfectly understandable. Great reviews will be read on the air. Please make it a five star. And as we say, non proficiat perfectum. Uh, yeah, be, <laughs> I was like, be good, but Pro- not perfect. This ne- <laughs> <laughs> Progress, not perfection. Christ, you're a sleep driver. See you here. next time. Yeah, also. Be good. Bye. Bye. Music pumping through it every night